You are in a long corridor with all kinds of rubbish and refuse strewn about the floor. What do you do? Okay. Roll your perception. What did you get? An 18? Really? Is that all you're doing? Just rolling perception, nothing else? Just the roll? Okay, fine. Well, since no one in the party has a 10-foot pole or said how you were avoiding any trap detected, you don't manage to trigger the trap in advance and you all fall into the pit. 20-foot drop. Each of you take 10 points of damage and Poonji stakes at the bottom. Roll a con-saving throw versus poison. Welcome to another episode of The Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Holly, And I'm Greg Ziegler. And we want you to be warned, because we have set some traps for everyone here. It's a trap. See, yes. that was my line. Oh, go ahead. Star Greg. Wars line. Yeah, you know, you stole his thunder. <sighs> it's... Uh... And... Is it General Akbar? Yeah, Admiral, Admiral Akbar. Akbar. He's Admiral, a, he's a okay. naval commander. Okay, yeah. well, who they gratuitously murdered in uh, Last <laughs> Jedi, but I have a feel. I believe his son is supposed to be the uh, Mon Calamar in the next movie. So okay, we'll find out next week. That's right. I know Greg's very excited. A week from tomorrow. But enough of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. We are talking about traps, traps. today. Yeah. Yes, we. And have... this was an idea Dean had, and it was a good idea. And. We cover, we're Gragnar, so we talk about old D&D and new Mm D&D, and and there's been a change in traps, so we're going to talk about that. There is a big difference between traps in 5e and traps in 1e, and we'll get into that right after we take care of what we've been doing for the last week, and this is our segment, Games People Play. All right, so... I've not been playing a whole lot of games, so I've been doing something else, Greg. Have you played any games? Star Wars, just Star just Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. So yep. we've all been doing our normal stuff, but I know you and I, and I don't know if Greg has, has have listened you, to it yet have either. Have you glommed on to the Appendix N podcast? I have not. You should, my yes. friend, you should. Kind and that goes for all our listeners. I, I, I have to make a, a confession. I rarely listen to podcasts. Right, I, Greg, I know, listens to a lot. I, I listen to them constantly. I try to get through... Three to six a day. Yeah, I, I like to listen to the news <laughs> during my commute. Yeah, he listens to a lot. But there is a podcast called the Appendix N Podcast, and it's some individuals out in New York, a bunch of young guys, I assume. And Two they, of them. At least, but they have some some other people who, who participate. I haven't listened to a ton of the episodes, but they started an Appendix N book club in New York City where people gather to talk about the authors from the Appendix N in the DMG. Right, which we had thought about doing, but we're glad we're not because we would be a we would be the dime store yeah, version of that. Yeah, these guys aren't professionals, but they're the appendix N versions of like Greg with Star Wars. <laughs> mm-hmm. They really they know their stuff. They know the mm-hmm. authors. They are a pleasure to listen to and they cover all the books in appendix or they're working their way through all the books in appendix N. Right. But most recently, they had an interview, which I think is just incredible, an interview with Michael Moorcock. Yeah, who wrote the Elric series. Yeah, I really want to listen to that one. It's very enlightening. It's very eye-opening. There's some really cool stuff. We're not going to spoil anything. We don't want to take anything no. away from them. Apparently, Michael Moorcock is the last living author from the Appendix N list. Really? Which, yeah. I found that a little surprising and kind of depressing. Yeah, me too. There's a lot of those authors were were you know what what influenced gary so obviously mm-hmm. they were they wrote the 
majority of their work pre-1974. So they would be pretty old. Yes. And I didn't know that some of those books that I enjoyed reading so much as a young man and a teenager were actually that old when I got a hold of them, that those books were had been published for that long. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear their another take on what influenced the guys who run the podcast, but also Michael Moorcock dropped, I mean, this guy dropped names left and right because he was hanging out with these people. Yeah, right. He was. Um, and again, we don't want to give any spoilers, but there was one thing that we kind of really latched on, latched on to. And the Appendix Ends guy actually brought it up. Yeah. He said it's a theory of his. And he asked Michael Moorcock if he agreed. And, and to summarize, yeah. he was, the theory is basically that Dungeons and Dragons ruined fantasy literature. <laughs> yes. That fantasy literature is what it is now because of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And that prior to, to D&D, it was much more varied and it sort of become became homogenized mm-hmm. when D and D took off. That the, makes a certain amount of sense. Yeah, the, I can agree with it. You yeah, know, every mm-hmm. fantasy story you're going to have an elf, and the elf is going to look like a Tolkien elf, and mm-hmm. it's going to act like. And the dwarf, has, you know, was a Scottish accent, and they live in in mines, and you know they're grumpy. And you know, and when well, I say the word dragon, we all know in our minds what that dragon looks like. If I say red dragon, you know what it looks yeah, like. We if don't I see say a Chinese dragon. We don't see a water dragon. No. We don't. There's. We see a Jeff Easley dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent point. Excellent point. Yes. And I think that, you know, it's kind of sad that, I mean, I read a lot of modern fantasy and it's absolutely true. Outside of Joe Abercrombie, who doesn't, you know, he does do fantasy. He doesn't put anything in his books that are fantastical, but even George R.R. R. Martin, his yeah. dragons are there. He doesn't have elves no. so much but he's got all the a lot of the other elements that we yeah. definitely found and, in D. has he did he say he was influenced by dnd i think at one yes. point yeah he said mm-hmm. because he said that uh the guy who did lord of the rings jackson mm-hmm. um he said he was influenced right you know and there's a lot of people in hollywood now that grew up and there are influential positions that were influenced so you know it makes sense. It's a two-edged sword. One, you popularized fantasy. Prior to that, it wasn't even a genre. It was glommed in with science fiction or just fiction. Yeah. And they started, you know, Moorcock made the point that they started to call, he came up with the name swords and sorcery. Mm-hmm. Um, he also came up with the term multiverse, which is interesting. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool because but, we use it so much now. Yeah. DC should cut him a check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did complain about the fact that he's not making nearly as much money as some of these people who are using not his ideas, but but I what think he, wasn't he there news cuttered. recently that they were going to make a Moorcock uh, Elric series? Yes, so Hawkmoon. Wow. Yeah. Hawkmoon series has been picked up by Hawk the Moon? BBC. Yes, really? Hawkmoon. Yeah, but I, I thought not I heard s- that. I thought I saw something about an Elric series. Got posted. yeah, yeah. There was a while ago, maybe yeah, a lot six of times months you, ago. You see that but, news and then nothing happens. But it's option. Yeah, everything everything gets optioned. Do you think? You've not, Eric, have you read the Hawkmoon series? Yeah, a long time ago. And Greg, you've read them, correct? In the 80s, yeah. And they are like really kind of wackadoodle, right? I mean, the the English, the Englanders, uh, they all wear helmets and they never take them off, kind of like the Mandalorian, right? Yeah. Um, And it's just some kind of really crazy alternate world. But he talked about that. Yeah. And it's going to be, I think, difficult to really portray that in a series. 
do you think an Elric series could be portrayed? It's, you know, if the Elric series is on Netflix or HBO, yeah. it would be awesome. I think if it's on Disney there. Plus or <laughs> NBC, Not it's so going to suck donkey, you know what? Yeah. I agree. I think that Netflix, Amazon, those places. Uh, yeah, they're not afraid to go to right. those dark spaces. And they yeah, have. And there's the a lot of that in Elric. <laughs> and, and they have the time to do it because you can do an entire series over 10 hours as opposed to trying to do, you know, a two and a half and hour And they movie. know they're going to get X number of episodes to tell their story. That is crucial when you're doing stuff like that. You can actually yeah. take your time and develop your characters over the span of, of however many seasons they've they've greenlighted. Yeah. Well, I kind of hope that the Hawkmoon series does come across or does come to fruition. Um, the BBC is doing it. I'm a little concerned about BBC doing something like that. <laughs> Every time I hear BBC, I think of those old Doctor Who. I, I started watching Doctor Who, and I'm not a, by any means a huge Doctor Who fan. But, you know, growing up, in the 80s, yes. it was on, you know, public access TV yeah, or whatever it was. It was, was. on here. I, and I remember I one of the first in. episodes, they had the Daleks, and you could actually see that it was a cardboard frame over a dude in a wheelchair, and you could, like, see his arms sort of move as the Daleks yeah. were moving. Yeah, I've not seen much of the most recent Doctor Who's, but have they improved their... Their CGI and their special effects. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it's way nicer than it used to. Okay, uh, used well to that's be, not yeah. saying. Much well, of... you know, CGI's, for lack of a better way of putting it, a dime a dozen now, and yeah. and it's it's maybe not, you know, cinema level CGI, but it okay. looks really good. Daleks hover and fly now to Ooh. get over the whole, you know. Stopping them with a staircase. I was going to say, but, yeah, just uh, a, a small threshold at a door could stop yeah, them. Yeah, no, they're, yeah, no, now that now that it's no big deal to have them whoosh around, uh, they're okay. a lot scarier. All right. And, uh, well, maybe there is some hope then for the Hawkmoon series, which I think would be a fantastic thing, and it would definitely uh, be unlike anything that most people have seen on TV. Yeah, and I'm actually more motivated. I did read the Jack Vance uh, series, the Dying mm-hmm. Earth series. I've actually been reading Gygax's Gord the Rogue series. Oh, really? Gosh. Yeah, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the first one has artwork by Caldwell in it, so it's got the oh, you know, nice. chainmail bikini look, which is, it's all, you know, just black. Uh, pen and ink. Pen and ink, yeah, there you yeah. go. Uh, those art words. And it reminds me very much of the brain candy fantasy I used to read back in the day. You mm-hmm. know, you read one book a night. I'm not reading them that quick now because yeah. I don't have so much time. You do have the... Uh, DMG here. Yeah. And could you turn to the Appendix N? And is there an author named Michael Shea in there? I don't. That doesn't sound familiar. Well, I just picked up because of something that I read way, 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 way in the past. A long time ago in the Wayback Machine. Uh, Nift the Lean. Do you recall Nift those? Nift the Lean? Nift the Lean. Do you recall those books? Hmm. No. They, and there's no Michael Shea. Okay. It is about a rogue. His name is Nift the Lean. But apparently it's in... Uh, I can hardly even remember it, but it's kind of a weird world sort of setting. Not quite fantasy, not quite sci-fi, not quite anything. It's kind of a weird world. Maybe a little bit kind of like the Hawkmoon series. So I just ordered, they only made three books. He only wrote three books of it, and I've got two of them coming. So we'll the, see what that is. Yeah, one last thing about Morka. It's, it's hard to remember that one. That's, it sounds vaguely familiar. Which I'll one? Put Nif- a link on it. The, the, the Nifeline. But Nifeline. Remember, I, I worked in a bookstore all through the 80s, right. and so a lot I'm of sure you authors it. that were popular then, and we had a big sci-fi fantasy section yeah. that I was in charge of. So yeah. that name kind of sounds familiar if they reprinted them in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So uh, Yeah. 
I'll show it to you when uh, when I get it. So one last thing about Moorcock before we move on to traps. He is such a pleasure to listen to because he has a reputation for sort of just saying what he thinks. Mm -hmm. And they'll be talking about these old authors. He'll be like, oh, he was an awful writer. Yes. (laughs) And these are like these famous authors. He's like, yeah, his own stuff was really good. But when he tried to do that other stuff, it was awful. Barely reading. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) He did have some props for uh, he was a fan of, of Howard. But not a fan of, of the Tolkien. He, of Tolkien or of uh, Ellsberg de Camp or Lynn Carter. Yeah, yeah. He's, it was funny when he talked about Tolkien. He's like, "Yeah, I'm English. Tolkien is like a fairy tale or a bedtime story you tell to your kids. Yeah. That's not yeah. proper fantasy." Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he threw he throws down some uh, some explicatives that I don't think they normally uh, use in that podcast. No, it's it's a great story. I mean, the yeah. guy started writing at 16. He was yeah. editing a Tarzan fanzine or magazine at 16 yeah. and that's mm-hmm. how he got into it well, and I, I can't and recommend he's always been a metal fan too i think hasn't yes he? so he, so a guy his age you know yeah he's, he's 80 years he's, old now he apparently spends half his time in texas half in paris and he just got he just released another album yeah he's still <laughs> making music so apparently we have gone back on our words of not doing any spoilers for that podcast yeah. Well, there's still a ton more yeah. stuff that he says. Yeah. Can't recommend it enough. Give that a listen. The, the yeah. Appendix N podcast. Yeah. Well, um, we didn't really talk about the games we played, but we did talk about the podcast we yeah. listened to. Which so. relates to the games we play. Yes. So that's our segment, The Games People Play. All right. So you're walking down a corridor. It's empty. Yeah. I got my 10-foot pole. You got a 10-foot pole? Okay, got to have a 10-foot pole. Okay. And iron spikes and, there's, and, and there's, a hammer. There's a door at the end of the corridor. Yeah. There's rubbish all around the... Okay. Or rubble. So the first thing I do, which I forgot to do at my last first edition game, I forgot to bring my box of mice. But I have my box of mice now. I'm going to take one of the mice, box hold mice? it by the tail, throw it at the door. Nothing happens. Nothing happens when it lands? Nope. It just skitters off. Yes. All right, then you have to poke the floor with the 10-foot pole. All right. Put a lot of pressure on there. Yeah, well... Five feet away from the door, trap door opens up, and yeah. down below are some spikes. Yeah. About four feet long. With poison, probably. Yes, yeah. poison. Or and then or they're awful and dung and awful. Yes, they're, they're smeared with all kinds of, like, all kinds of nasty stuff. I had never used a 10-foot pole before um, I did the Tomb of Horrors. And everyone had one. <laughs> yeah, so you, you have to have the 10-foot yeah. Which is really yeah. long. You're Can you imagine ten walking yeah, with a 10-foot pole through a dungeon? I just recently I just recently bought an English bill, which is a medieval weapon, right? Yeah, and I it saw comes the on It comes on a 7-foot uh, tall yeah, pole. Yeah, that's only 7. You can't get around a modern house with anything over 6 feet. Yeah. Can you imagine a 10-foot pole? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't work. But really, it would, you have to have, like, collapsible. It would have to be two 5-foot poles that you could yeah. connect together. Exactly, exactly. So, but anyway. We're talking about traps, and traps back in the day were something that DMs kind of peppered throughout their 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 adventures, their one-offs. Yeah, it was campaigns. part of the adventure. It was part of it. You expected a trap. I mean, you never thought that a ten-foot-long corridor, or not ten, a ten-foot-wide corridor that went forty feet was something you just went from yeah. here to there. Yeah. The last convention I was playing first edition, and we came to a staircase, and. We searched the first step for a trap, and sure enough, we found a glyph, mm-hmm. right? And I knew that, you know, and that's where you use the mouse, by the way. The mouse sets off the glyph if you, if you need okay. to set off a, a glyph. Oh. But uh, we found it, and we couldn't disarm it. We didn't have any, any wizardly types that could do it. So I said, why well, jump past the first step and jump onto the third step? 
And one of the other players goes, whoa, what are you doing? We don't know if there's a trap there. I go, nobody ever puts a trap on the third step. <laughs> and nice. sure enough, I jumped and I was perfectly fine. Yes. However, that is not always true. Well, if you have a, a, a sadistic DM. Or you have a fifth edition DM who really enjoys his first edition traps. Yeah. Which so. I don't run into too many of. No, you don't. And why is that? Why do we know. not have... A, a, a plethora of traps? A, a plethora or a proliferation of traps in 5e. Where did we go from the deadly traps of 1st edition to the you know, meh? There know are traps in 5e. They yeah. are. In Eric's, done, in, in Eric's campaign, there are plenty of traps. <laughs> <laughs> I am the victim frequently of his traps because I'm the one that always goes first. But... <laughs> Eric's been playing for a long time. I know. And, yeah, and, and they're not. A, they're, they're my <laughs> own traps. They're not published. Yes. If you look at the published 5e traps, there are, by and large, a resource drainer. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's that's all they're for. They're not. They're not going to kill you. They're just going to burn hit points or make you use waste time or, or use whatever. spells or destroy equipment. Maybe um, that wasn't the case back in the day. And do you remember back? Well, okay, let's let's talk about the cases of traps back in the day. Yeah, so let's let's just start with what uh, Gygax said. Mm -hmm. I have in front of me my DMG, and they have somebody pointed out online recently. Just a quick aside, because that's what I do. That the Dungeon Master's Guide is actually a system neutral book. It, it very little of it relates directly to AD and D. It's mostly charts and tables and advice for running a game, hmm. which is true. And this is a perfect example of it. They have a table on page 172, tricks and traps. Okay, for one thing, tricks <laughs> would never work in 5e. Players <laughs> do not like to be tricked. But let's just, we'll cover that in a little bit. So the traps, he's got a little list. It's a 1 to 20 roll. It looks like there's 12. It's a secret door, a pit. Uh, elevator room and that you know descends or goes up levels, uh, walls blocking a passage, oils, spear traps, arrow traps, gas, uh, door falls outward onto the players. Nice. Um, an illusory wall or a chute that drops you a level. And, and that goes back to the mapping. Mm -hmm. When you had something that shifted you levels, you didn't know where you were oriented in terms of the map. And that could really mess people up because yes, it could. in original D&D, if you didn't have the map, yeah, you were just you weren't just saying we just leave the dungeon. Okay, you're out. No, you would have to walk. I, we take the next left. Now we take the right. And when you had these things that just dropped you, now you don't know how to get out. You know, the elevator doesn't go back up; it just goes down. Right, yeah. right. Hopefully, you were drawing this all out on your graph paper. So yeah, and and a player would you know <laughs> yeah. put a big give X. a verbal description and whatever yeah. they drew. Yep. That's what they drew. Yep, you always put an X in the uh, in the hex with the with the trap. Now they do have another. Uh, list appendix g which is labeled traps which is much more exhaustive that goes into a little more detail about the types of gas a scything blade <laughs> vents a teleporter again oh things that but then appendix h is tricks and, i don't recall tricks okay so and if you run a little Gygax dungeons, you, you see, sort of start to remember these, which is, let me just read the first couple lines. As with traps, there are nearly endless number of tricks that can be devised and used in a campaign. Most experienced dungeon masters will probably already have a proud repertoire of clever and innovative, <laughs> not to mention unique and astounding, artifices, deceptions, conundrums, and sundry tricks, which will put to shame the humble offering which follows. Nonetheless, the, this enumeration might serve for those who have not had experience and seasoning necessary to invent more clever devices to bring consternation to 
overbold and incautious characters. Which that was a vocabulary builder right there. No kidding. Oh, he he always wrote that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so so this is how you how you did it. You picked a feature like an altar arch ceiling, and then it has an attribute like ages, anti magic, animated attacks, ass. So just reading the first one, altar, right? And they're all like this. Touching this feature without uttering the name of the deity to which it is dedicated will alternately do the following. Age a character 10 years, mm-hmm. animate his or her weapons for four rounds and cause them to attack their owner, or cause cancellation to drain his or her most powerful magic item of all its dwemer. dwemer. Can you imagine oh my having God. something like that oh, in 5th edition? Yeah. People would revolt. Oh, that plus three sword? Gone. Yeah. Yeah, you just touch the altar without saying. Can you imagine? Right. So, well, how like, was I supposed to know what word to say? I don't know. You should know the, that's would, holy symbol. Would you have a revolt in AL if you did that? Oh, uh, you know what? I Well, you couldn't do it because it isn't in the script. I've, I've been working on s- some more AL modules, hoping that they revise their convention policy because it's awful right now. But I figured I'd have a couple in the can. And when prepping for this podcast, I thought, oh, my God, I need to put one of these in an AL module. Mm-hmm. Just so that people, not not awful, awful, but no. like aging 10 years, just poof. Yeah. You know? This kind of goes back to um, something that I found in Eurogamer.net, and this was talking about, and we'll talk about Tomb of Horrors here in a little bit, because Greg, you're probably the most recent player of the, that yeah. particular module. I've still never made it to the end, though. Well. <laughs> Who has? I only have because I've pl- not played it, but uh, ran, it. ran it a number of times. Um Traps, and especially Tomb of Horrors. Yeah. The uh, first trap, which yeah. is climb through the wrong mouth and you're right. gone. You're it's just it's, dead. It, it does what Gygax intended it to do when he originally designed it as a way to teach his own players, and this could be for all players, past and present, players a lesson. Once you feel invincible and rely mostly on brute force, or in the case of 5e, everybody can do everything. Yep. A challenge like this will certainly knock you down a peg. Can you imagine that? You know, poof. Yeah. Your highest level spells are gone. They're just gone. <laughs> what do you yeah. do now, sucker? <laughs> and and here's another subtle difference, going back to that altar that we said. So you had to speak the name of the deity. In first edition, you know, you would have something like, on the altar is carved a rising sun mm-hmm. over. And that's it. Now, you as a player either know whose holy symbol that is. Right. Or you don't. Yep. In 5e, I'm making a religion check. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. It's, it's the holy symbol for Lathander. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't have them memorized. But, you know, that's a huge difference. I mean, yeah. old D&D used to challenge the player. 5e challenges the character. Right. And That is fair. I think that uh, I heard somewhere, I think it was in a discussion online somewhere, that most of the time in D&D currently, players concentrate on their sheet as opposed to the actual game. Yeah, I would agree with that. They, they are looking for what their sheet has to offer as opposed to what they can offer to the game. And I think that came about in my most recent uh, and last session that I ran was that I was, as a DM, beat up by the character sheet. Yeah, I mean, players can maximize their characters and get crazy combinations, Mm -hmm. which 
is a way to play D&D. Don't get me wrong. And even in, in you know, first edition, well, first, second edition, Bow in the Black was double specialized in longsword, fighter, wizard. You know, uh, clearly those mm-hmm. decisions were made to give him maximum survivability, which meant dealing a nasty, you know, boatload of damage as quickly as possible. But it still wasn't quite the same because in order to make that happen... You as a player had to be creative much of the time. Right. How were you going to do it? It wasn't just, oh, let's roll initiative. Okay, my turn. I'm going to whack things. And Okay, I'm gonna, I am have a question for Greg because I think Greg, between the three of us, is probably the most... He's the biggest player of D&D. Yeah, I don't run. Player. Whereas you yeah. and I... We run. ...do more running, although I'm doing even less of that. How many traps do you encounter in your average session? Uh, well, I mostly play with Eric. So. Okay. But you've done a lot of but, convention uh, play, My too. convention play has all been Adventures League, so practically none. Really? Yeah. I'm, uh, it's a lot of outdoor stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of traps in AL. Yeah. Gosh, Is there a now, reason now that behind that? Now that you've got me thinking about that, I, I don't know how much time I have spent in an actual classic underground dungeon setting in AL. That but even outside, they don't have like, you know, snare traps well, or, you know. Part of the know. problem with AL is well, you have passive perception. Yeah. Well, you can see stuff like that. And in AL too, you're also, it's all very plot driven. You need to get to that okay. next checkpoint. I get that. I you get that. You need to get yeah. to that next I'm checkpoint. I'm forgetting and that because. I, you know, as I don't remember running into a whole lot of hmm. traps. I mean, you know, things attack you. That's not a trap, you know, no. like a classic pit trap or something falling you on you. You might get surprised, but or, not really but, a trap. But not really, no. I uh, mean, huh. I've used traps in, in past games where it basically kind of halts the party and keeps them captive. Like, you know, they fall into a pit that's, you know, 20 feet down, but up above are the bad guys with a bunch of spears and bows. You want to know my favorite trap? I Greg will probably remember this one. Yeah. Favorite so, trap that you made or favorite yeah, trap that you that I made. Okay. So and this is a combination trap. These are the ones I like. Yes, the it does. Party comes to a wide chasm that drops like 200, 300 feet down. And there's a they're in a narrow passage. On the other side, there's a small ledge on both sides, maybe five feet wide, extends twenty or thirty on each, you know, down each direction. And that five and the feet. passage continues yeah. on the other side. So now you gotta get across. Okay, well, so the party's like, well, we can't jump, too wide to jump, but we can have our rogue climb down, climb back up with a rope, and that way they can they can make it. Okay, because, you know, that's working. Now, they, they think, of course, bottom of the chasm, they're hosed, right? Something's going to be down there, the rogue's going to get attacked. Nope, rogue makes it down, makes it back up, they get the rope across, the rest of them shimmy across on the rope, takes them a lot of time, because they want to do it safely, they tie each other off the whole bit. 50 feet down the other passage now that they're all on this narrow ledge on the far side <laughs> is the uh what's that gelatinous cube that fills the entire passage and starts moving towards the party <laughs> yeah no that was pretty early on too yeah. that was yeah. and they have to go back then they can't go back we can't it took like 10 minutes for them to cross this 
So basically, this gelatinous cube is just meandering five feet a turn down this yeah. passage. And we were like and, second level characters, and can, oh, armed, armed with almost nothing. And, you know, and they rusty can only get and, you know one attack on it, mm-hmm. melee per turn. Somebody gets sucked up into it, <laughs> managed <laughs> to escape to the far side. I mean, it was it was hilarious that you know that tension is yeah. palpable. You're like, oh my god, what are like how are we gonna defeat? I have no idea yeah. how they're gonna do it. I, I just put it in play. That's my. Yeah. I thought you were going to bring up the illusory floor on the other side where it was just far enough that we could jump it. And then you jump from one ledge to the other and the ledge on the other side isn't there. Yeah, so so the illusion is that there's a trap. Yes, I've used that many times myself. Yes. The trap is actually... It's just on the other side. Yeah, it's just a you, you put an illusion of a pit and then on the far side, illusion of a floor with a pit underneath it. Now, I usually try to leave some leeway for creative players to avoid a trap for instance like the uh the corridor is 10 feet wide but the actual pit trap is you know it's got just enough yeah. of a ledge around, six inches yeah, or so, six yeah. inches you can do that a skillful rogue yeah thief if i could use that term yeah could, <laughs> could you know do his thing and go across the side and then maybe secure some type of like you know rope bridge or you know some type of securing device yeah, I mean, on the there, other side there should always be now gygax did not believe that that there should be a a way around the trap yes. so to speak i mean some of these things he has in there are just deadly you just, they're it. just deadly there's you you choose wrong and you die and there's no way to really know without extensive probing and questioning it's not going to jump right out at you Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's it's the traps are a lot of fun especially when they cause enough serious damage that um and i've thrown a couple of these in i'll explain one we were talking about favorite traps mine actually comes and is inspired by one from grimtooth traps and we'll talk about grimtooth here in a little bit yeah is the trap that you got a staircase in front of you Mm -hmm. right and nowadays, the players now know, my players now know, to check for traps. They didn't when we first started playing, and I think that was my fault. They come to a stairs, and they step on the first or second tread. The third tread is the pressure plate, but the spears come out at eyeball level. Oh, nice. <laughs> and usually they That's why do. I always play halflings. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, gosh, Eric, you just remind the, the shortest member of the party was the one who stepped on it. Yeah. And the guy, the big brute, the half-orc was behind. And, oh, it was my son who was the half-orc, and he was so pissed off. And that's, <laughs> those are the best traps, when yeah, the person yeah. who sets it off isn't the one yes. who takes the damage. He was so pissed off because— never happens to me. I yeah. always set the trap off, and I'm the one who always takes the yeah. damage. But, I mean, you know, each of those spears is doing, you know, 1d8, and there's like three of them coming at you. And, you know, that sucks a lot of hit points out of you. Yeah. And at that point, you are a little bit more cautious the, as you move The on. other good one is when you put the five-foot pit with really nasty razor-sharp spikes mm-hmm. five feet wide right before the stairwell, at the base of the stairwell. And they're like, well, we can, like, we'll, you know, send a rogue over, check for, for traps. Yeah, okay, hope maybe they don't find it. They get to the top. They all jump over. They get to the top. It turns into a slide. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> they all yeah, just that's slide into that yep. pit. Now, and those are very, very reminiscent of... This book right here. Yeah, Grimtooth had very mechanical-based traps with some intricate designs. Now, Dean, we'll post pictures. You have the— I have the original. The original and the two. I have the original at home somewhere in a box, but I also kickstarted the hardcover that has all six, I believe there were. 
as well as some other supplemental material. Yeah, that buck is huge. Yeah, it's. it's I didn't realize there were so many of them. Yeah, there it, there it's are a crazy. lot. I mean, there are some really wild uh, pits in here. There's corridor traps. There's room traps. There's uh, floor traps. All kinds of traps. Um, some of them are just, and they're they're rated. How many skulls? Yeah. And if you've got four skulls, that essentially means that you are just a yeah. dead one. So here's here's a one that I just opened to randomly. Hot time in the old camp tonight. Yes. Basically, <laughs> it's there's a void under a campfire ring. And at the bottom of the campfire ring is a, a wooden plank. And when you start a fire there, it burns through the wood into the void. But in the void is the... It's filled with oil yes. and oil it's, fumes. Oh. So it basically blows up your camp. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. Um, here's another one that's... It's, I don't know how well this would actually be... Uh, if you could actually get a party to do this, it's called, I'll take a stab at that. The trap is located in a very narrow corridor where the characters may well have to move sideways to pass. As they move through the hallway, they notice archers points on one side of the corridor. Peering into the port will reveal a set of eyes very close to the port itself. Um, and a bit of magic will be sensed by those who do so. The port is backed by a teleportation field that will make any thrust into it appear directly across the corridor. So if you thrust the sword in <laughs> it comes out the back side of the other opposite wall <laughs> i like that nice here's nice. one that's four skulls the craniquin goose it's basically an outhouse but on the outhouse seat there's a pressure plate and in the bottom is a crossbow yes that shoots oh. you in the in the buttocks if you're that, lucky that would be the old Tyrion lannister move no but this uh, one comes from a slightly different <laughs> angle yeah. uh, it comes from below that's in the books. That's how that happened. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay. I didn't, I <laughs> yeah, Tyrion was crawling around in the latrine, and when his father sat down to relieve himself, he poink. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, there are some some oldies but goodies. Yeah, here's a, a, a really nasty one. This one's got five skulls. It's called the Amazing Ginsu Shoot. It's a trap where, like, like you said, it turns into a slide. Slide. Those are nasty. But at the very bottom of the chute... It is a, uh, a, a basically a wedge that is sharpened. So if you miss, oh. <laughs> if oh. you miss it, you are going to be sliced in half. Yeah, and and part of the problem with five E is they don't have like death effects. You know, yeah. for one E there was a saving throw called you know death magic. Right, you mm -hmm. save or you're dead. There's a lot of spells that just kill you, and and there's a lot of things that would just just kill you. You're just dead. Um, they don't have that anymore. And yeah, the you style can't kill of characters. play has changed, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You can kill characters, but it's very difficult. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't get me started on Healing Word and the Whack-A-Mole. Yeah, well. Players going unconscious. Speaking of that, you and I have a, a bit of an issue with 5th edition, is that nobody really ever dies, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think we got some footage... That relates to that. Yes, we sent somebody in. We gave so them some To Hades. Yes. Like we, we plane shifted somebody to Hades, and they recorded this exchange that, that illustrates this. Right, and Greg, you need to pay out the hazard pay for this guy. Oh, man. Yeah, so let's All give right. it a listen. Welcome to Hades, mortal. Your soul belongs to me now. <laughs> Whoa, this is different. You've never died before? 
This is the final stop on that miserable journey you called life. Oh, well, I'm not dead. As a matter of fact, any time now, my bard friend will hit me with healing word and I'll be good as new. But you hit zero hit points. That means you are dead. You are really behind the times. It hasn't worked that way in years. Well, I am filling in for a friend. They pulled me out of retirement to cover this shift. Oop, gotta run. This isn't right. No one should infringe upon the power of death. Wow, that crazy rogue was telling the truth. Welcome to Hades, mortal. Your soul now belongs to me. Um, I hate to break it to you, but I'm only unconscious. Again, with the zero hit point thing. Yeah, sorry. What in Hades was that? Oh, that's just the barbarian. He doesn't have time to hit the ground when he goes to zero hit points. He bounces back real quick. How in Hades is that even possible? Got me hanging, but I've seen it happen a ton of times. Guy doesn't even wear armor. He always says, Hit points are my armor. Honestly, I don't even know what that means. Aha! The rogue has returned, and this time she really is dead. Yep, looks that way. Yeah, got blasted by that hill giant club. <laughs> Messed me up good. Welcome to Hades, mortal, your soul. Heal incoming. Gotta run. That is becoming annoying. Regardless, welcome to Hades. Not so fast there, Skeletor. I won't be here long. What? You are dead. Your soul is finally mine to claim. Yeah, about that. You see, the fight is almost over. Our cleric will be bringing me back within the next minute or so. Restoring the dead to life requires great magic. Your cleric is nowhere near the level required to cast such powerful spells. Actually, Revivify is only third level. What? Does anyone ever die anymore? Not really. It was decided that living is more fun, so we pretty much got rid of death. I knew I should have stayed retired. Ah, you might want to change your settings. The Barbarian just summoned his horde to storm the keep. Okay, so there it is. <laughs> That's how it is. And yeah, it's I, tough being death in 5e. Or, or yeah. a lot of downtime. That's right. about how. That's about how it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I guess that's the sound that plane shifting makes. That's uh, that's the bamf. You know, it's kind of cool. I mean, if that's the way you go out and you go out with a bam. Yeah. That would I, work. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Uh, can't can't be bamf, though, because, you know, Disney will be knocking on your door because they probably have that copyrighted. I don't They may be, you know. It's, uh, when did they first show up? What, what was that? Um, Nightcrawler. You know, Nightcrawler, I think he was, I don't think he showed up before the new X-Men. So they, they, that... They've copyrighted those particular letters as a sound. Well, I don't know if they have. I'm just assuming that they're Disney in a, in a Disney. greed would want yeah. them to do that. Yeah. But, you know, Marvel probably did that before. That was, I think it was Giant Size X-Men number one. That's the <laughs> early 80s. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, we've been talking a little bit about uh, Grimtooth and his traps and stuff like that. And um, and let me just add that hardcover that I have. I actually saw that in the game store, so you can pick that oh, up. Really? I'm, nice. not, I'm not that sure one? how much it costs. Yeah. It, no, I mean, that book's, a good, that book's a good inch and a half, inch and yeah, three we'll, quarters we'll thick. That's a whopper. 460-ish pages. Um, I got mine on a Kickstarter, but they offer, and it's a, nice, it's a handy reference. Yeah, nicely illustrated. I have uh, an autographed copy. Both of mine are autographed with, by the original illustrator, um, uh, Stephen uh, Crumpton. And uh, yeah, and these are—I mean, these are the classic ones. These are just always, as long as I've been gaming, these books have been laying around. Yeah, you know the store. So um, I do want to uh, touch on something that Grimtooth gets a lot of grief. Because his traps were so complicated. I mean, there was mechanisms that 
The yeah. players never saw, yeah. right? But it was important in early D&D because in 5th edition, if I disarm a trap, right. I just say, I disarm the trap, I make a roll, it's disarmed. A lot of times, depending on your DM, because there was much variation. They wanted earlier. to know how you were yeah, going to disarm Yeah, they were going to say, it. how do you disarm the trap? Well, I take an iron spike and I put it in the opening so the blade can't piton. come out. Piton. Piton. It was not That's a spike, right. it was a piton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they, they caught, on the equipment list, I believe, uh, um, they were maybe they were pitons early on, and I then they turned into iron spikes because yeah. no one knew what a piton was <laughs> right. or how fair. to pronounce it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we always you know had you pitons, had to describe but... how you were disabling a trap, and so having that mechanism available was sort of important for the DM so they could yes. see if it would work. Yep, and very often um, a lot of my players had really good ideas on how yeah. to defeat and a trap, whether they disarmed it or not. It was how they defeated it. Yes, right. So, and that was part of the fun. That was mm-hmm. part of the game is challenging the player, not challenging the character. Right. Well, let's talk about the granddaddy. <laughs> of, yeah, I, I looked it up. Uh, what's that? Uh, Bamf. I looked Bamf up. And? Uh, it's a Wikipedia. It has its own Wikipedia page. <laughs> first, uh, first appearance January 1982. Really? Oh, yeah. late. Yeah. Well, that's what I said early 1980s. Okay. <laughs> Do not question Greg's I, comic uh, And it was, it was Uncanny X-Men 153. <laughs> does, it, does it happen to mention yeah. if it's trademarked? Uh, yeah, it, it has not. I haven't seen that yet. I don't think it is. All right, we're going to use it. We're going to put it all over our stuff. Bamf, 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 bamf. bamf, bamf. Is that also a, a ski yes, resort in Canada? I think so. Yeah, bamf. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's spelled the same way, but I don't yeah. know. Um, so let's talk about the granddaddy of all modules that has, if I remember right, I think I sat and counted up, there were something like 21, 20 traps in the Tomb of Horrors. Tomb of Horrors. And many of them were deadly. Yes. Most many, of them were probably Not kind of deadly. deadly. Yeah. Instantly Mi- final deadly. Exactly. Perfect description. Yeah. There was no coming back, no bamf, and you're back. Well, even in early D&D, if you were raised, it messed you up for a long time. Yes. You didn't just come back and were like, hey, I'm ready to go. They kept some of that in 5e. Yeah. You start exhausted or something. Well, I think, didn't yeah. you lose a level? Oh, yeah. You also lost, and you had to make a system shock roll based on your constitution. Yes. You lost a point of constitution. Yes. You lost a level, and if you failed your system shock roll... It didn't work. Yes, you die died. Yeah, and the high constitution system shock was like in the 90s, and then yeah. it dropped from there. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't have my player's handbook. Yeah, you but, couldn't handle coming back. Yeah, it was just your your body couldn't take it, and you were dead. And elves could not be resurrected. They had no souls. Yes. And <laughs> they had to be reincarnated. Yes. yes, they had to be reincarnated. And they would come back as whatever, like a badger. <laughs> right. Wow. Well, my character is done now because not he's un- a squirrel. Yeah. I miss that. Not unrealistic, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I missed that. Are, that yeah. would be awesome. Would you would you have been able to come back that many times? Because oh, you, no. you you've come back a number of times, oh, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you think my, your constitution shock would? Uh, probably not. Yeah. My Tabaxi character. I think didn't I get killed like three times in one session? <laughs> no, no, no. No. It was, was twice. I got killed twice I in think one you've session. Been dead a total of like three times. The scene, he, it seems like more. That's that's why he was a little traumatized. And from but, my understanding, your roles are not always in your favor. I sometimes experience periods of unfortunate luck. <laughs> he also, in all fairness, he also puts himself in situations. This character, the party yeah. knows once he separates from the party, he will not do at all what they want him to do. And he gets himself in some... He's a cat. Yeah. You know, he's a tabaxi. So, like, he's, you know, 
oh, someplace higher than I'm currently at. I need to get to that higher place. All right, all right. Well, it's, it's oh, personal initiative. He thrives there, on that. There you go. Let's talk about Tomb of Horrors. Don't play him anymore. Yeah. So it, <laughs> Tomb of Horrors is probably the deadliest module. I'm going to use that word, module, adventure, if you will. I would agree. Ever created. Yes. And I think Greg was the most recent to go through it. I know it pretty well. I would like to have it in front of me, but I don't have it in front I of me. I could have brought Yeah, I've, I've done it twice, once with Eric and then once at, uh, at the con. But that you was did it 5 in 5E version. That was the 5E version. Okay. So in your experience playing it in 5E, how did the traps... Did the traps set the mood... I mean, was there? I mean, when we when I played yeah. it, the traps were like, "Oh my God, I'm afraid to go to the next room because yeah, it's no, gonna no, kill totally. me." Totally, everybody. I mean, everybody signed up for it, knowing they were playing Tomb of Horrors. Okay, a good chunk of the people playing had been in it before. Okay, uh, well, maybe not good, but I, I wasn't the only one who had done it before. I wasn't sure if Eric had. Eric modify, you know, Eric's a game master. Mm-hmm. It's, he modifies things. I had assumed when we ran it with you that you had maybe taken the edges off of it a little bit because our characters were kind of far along and, and you were serving the story that we were already in. This was a one shot, the one at the con. And uh, everyone was terrified to take a step. Every step they took, <laughs> they were looking for somebody else to go. Everyone had a 10 foot pole. Um, you know, Did you, everyone have fun? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, we were having a good time. And part of it was that we were just scared to death of what was coming next. See, I mean, if you can build that tension, I think it, that yeah. style of D&D every once in a while, not every adventure, but the Tomb of Horrors is a great module. But I don't know if that's true for everybody. I yeah. think there's probably a group of players that would hate Tomb of Horrors. Yeah. Well, I think I think when I was play- at the con- at, uh, at Game Hall, everybody that had signed up for it knew what they were in for. And that's that's part of it. I mean, in the game master, he uh, you know he knew a couple of the players, so it was you know, we were all going in with our eyes open. Right. Okay, yeah. so Tomb of Horrors has its own reputation, and I think it kind of suffers from that because you knew exactly what you're getting into. Yeah, you know the the face, the ooh face with that yes. everybody. I mean, it's right. it's on hell. It made it into uh, uh, Ready Player One. Yeah, I mean, yeah, which I, I so, actually just watched that yeah. night before last. It's and, so uh, iconic that it's in modern movies. Yeah, so you know, you just don't mess with that face. Right, exactly. stay away from the face. Right. Um, <laughs> I read something again. This came from Eurogamer.net. Um, it says uh, in the original, well, I should say in the fifth edition, you know, uh, they take away the instant death traps. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But in the original, whereas in the original, you almost inevitably had to put your hands on something in order to study it. Now a simple, albeit high intelligence check, can completely reveal the nature of the trap. It's also possible to save from damage. Damage numbers have been adjusted and blah, blah, blah. Um, Do you believe that that makes Tomb of Horrors less exciting? I think so. But you did not have that experience. You had a great time. Yes. Eric. All right, Greg. Yeah. 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 But we... um, I guess we didn't know whether or not he had... Kept all the traps blunted, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Yeah, you know, why that wasn't thing. Did I, anybody die? <clears throat> oh yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. More than half the characters died. We all had backup characters. Yeah, we all started <laughs> with. We all started with low level characters. I started off with a first level character. In two of horrors. Yeah, I, I believe my character was just first level, wasn't it? And yeah, it only, we talked about s- that. And then yeah. it came back when they died. They came back as a higher level, a okay. way higher. You know the trap. And again, there's got to be spoilers. Obviously, the trap that made them flee two of horrors. In 5th edition, when I ran it, yeah. was when they got stripped naked 
Really? There's a trap that takes yes. all yeah. the equipment. It's all gone. And they were like, we're done. That was, <laughs> yeah, that was the worst thing. I mean, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the being naked because part. It's it, was fifth the, it was being disarmed. We yeah. were completely disarmed. Now it's fifth edition. And what do you got? You have unarmed attack for one plus your strength right. and damage. And yeah, I, rem- I remember we ended up finding something dead and we grabbed all of the uh, all the femurs to use the bones as clubs. Uh, improvised clubs. I'm trying to remember how much actual enemy combatants are there in that? In the 5th edition version, there's there's a handful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not all of them need to be fought. Some of them are bypassable yeah, we, yeah. through Yeah, we didn't really fight. We, you know, you know, obviously little spoilery on the Tomb of Horrors here, but there was there were some statues that come to life, but everybody knows in D&D, if you run into a, if you see a statue, there's a it's 80% gonna, chance it's yeah. going to attack you. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what killed my character off the get-go was uh, I was a fighter. I yeah. was a paladin and I went in and attacked the thing and it uh, it did me in really yeah, fast. Yeah, you guys were pretty uh, not cautious. It, the, when you first went in, they were all full yeah. of themselves. We're like, oh, we're just going to breeze through this dungeon. And then they got did smashed. We, did we know it was the tomb? I can't remember if we knew it was the Tomb of Horrors when we went in. I don't remember if we Probably knew or not. Probably not. That's more I, my I style. I don't think we did. And then I think somebody yeah. pointed out that this is a lot like the Tomb of Horrors. And yeah, right, Dan. If any, yeah. if any DM is going to be playing or presenting Tomb of Horrors, I would suggest that you not say, hey, we're going to play Tomb of Horrors. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely not. Because even if you're not an experienced D&D player. I'm yeah. pretty sure you've heard about it. And I got it. rid of the O-Face. I just had it as uh, circular portals so that because mm. most of my players are grognards and yeah. would recognize it immediately. So yeah. I got rid of that part well, of Dan, it. Dan has the patch on his bag. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that's a bad sign. Right, right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, um, what else do we need to talk about in terms oh. of traps? So I want to bring up one thing. I posted a trap online. Oh, yes, yes. You posted it. Yeah. And I got so much grief for this trap. And why? I posted it on Reddit. And I had, I had worked oh, it up. Oh, you got grief on Reddit? Yeah. <sighs> Reddit's actually sometimes pretty. It's not as hostile as a lot of other places. Uh, it depends on the group. Well, like group. everything hey, else, it depends on where you're at. at. Greg, I don't you only go to happy, feel-good social online Oh, certainly. Places? So he certainly. doesn't go online. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's I, the I go, to, I go to Star Wars sites. Here's the trap. There's, there's more hate there than anywhere else. <laughs> nice. So the trap is a hallway, and it has a collapsing floor. Mm-hmm. So it's a pit, but it's it's not a, a trap door. It's a collapsing floor pit. So very difficult to detect. It just looks like stonework, right? You put so much weight on it. Now, the character drops down about 30 feet. Do they at, take falling damage? Yeah, they take the falling damage, at which point a door that was open then closes the pit. Okay. Okay. As it does that, a series of bars in a 10 foot 10 square centered on the character rise up mm-hmm. okay so they come up and they're you know 10 feet high bar so the top's open but the room is filled with undead <laughs> and no matter where the character stands they're going to get attacked by five undead reaching through the bars now they'll have some cover right? even directly in the middle yeah, so yeah, because they're it's four it's a two by two, so they have to stand in a square in five E. Right. Right. Yeah. As a DM, you might let them make an acrobatics check to try to like, you know, or or give them some, you know, if they get creative, you would reward that. But here's the thing. When you open the doors, the bars drop. When you open the trap door. Oh, up so top. the 
Yeah, and there's a lot of undead in here. There's like 20 or 30 undead. While he's in there, he's only getting attacked by a handful of them. Right. But once you open that door, now he's getting attacked by eight. And it's, it's a you know, yeah. full attacks. Right. You know? To me, that's an interesting trap because you put the players in a conundrum. He can he can yell up, don't open that door because he sees when it closed, the bars went up. Yeah. So you can naturally assume when it opens, the bars are coming down. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Meanwhile, he's taking attacks. Right, yeah. So they have to have their plan in place. Yeah. So when those bars drop, someone yeah. throws a rope down. Yeah. He does some type of acrobatic and the way I would do it, he's a rogue. I'm throwing a fireball. You get evasion, suck up the, the <laughs> splash damage, and move on. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. oh, my God, people hated that trap. What was their issue with that it? There was no way to get around it without a negative effect, essentially, is what it boiled down to. That's a dick move by the DM. That so you would do everybody that. wanted to be the winner. Yeah. And I was like, okay, but... Is that what we've come to? Everybody gets a prize? Oh, totally. They wanted their participation trophy. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah there's, there's got to be a way out. There's got to be a way out. There has you to know be what? a way to win. Yeah, if you're in a 10 by 10 hallway and there's a 10-foot pit in that hallway, you're going to either have to jump or fall into that pit. And people don't like that. Mm. Well, they don't mind that because they can jump. But here's yeah. the fact is that I was just it was sim- almost I was undetectable it. and that they're automatically taking damage. That annoyed people. That they didn't have an option or a way out of taking that initial damage. Yeah. That's, and that there was now a time frame. That's, I, call, like, that's called a, a trap. If I'm running that, I'm saying, go. What are you doing? One elephant, two elephant, three elephant, four elephant, five elephant, six yeah. elephant. Okay, five attacks. Take this much damage. One elephant, two elephant, three elephant, you know, yeah. and and put that real life. Oh, God, if you did that at a con, people would freak oh out and God, attack you. Up at the, yeah, if you, oh, started, if you started counting down. Yeah, because that uh, and, you know, like six in a, seconds in or a maybe round. Maybe I should count one zombie, two, two zombies. zombies. <laughs> yeah, six seconds in a round doesn't really exist in the game. No, everyone's <laughs> you know they want to micromanage. They want yeah. to come up with the perfect plan, and that's not the way it would be happening. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, you can't play D and D in real time, but you can certainly put that pressure on by yeah. doing the countdown. I mean, as I'm rolling the dice, they have time to continue speaking, so it's still not. Yeah, but they know like once I I get those dice done. Then we're starting the next round. So to me, that's fun. But yeah. I tell you what, there I got so many downvotes on that post huh. that people were like, you're a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and I, Eric not wears surprised. that as a badge of honor, <laughs> yeah. my friends. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm not surprised at that at all. So Yeah. Huh. That's unfortunate. And it is kind of unfortunate because, you is, know what, there are some things that you should run into. You know, as a, as a person who exclusively is a player, there are... Just sometimes there's just stuff that you run into that you shouldn't be able to get around. You know, if the end of the world is coming, if the planet is exploding, you got no saving throw. Yeah, yeah. this this well, also something else I've well, seen. You know, life's not fair. <laughs> A lot of memes about bards and persuasion. There's, you know, people, younger people are into the yeah. memes. And that's what I hear. Most of them are like, you know, the one I saw recently, the the. You know, the group's going to attack a dragon and the bard rolls a 20 on his persuasion check. And the next one is the, you know, dragon sitting on a couch with a pipe and the bard's in the kitchen washing dishes. Like, ha, 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 you persuaded the dragon to marry you and now you're a house bard or something. Okay. So several problems with that. (laughs) One, 20s, there's no crits on anything but attacks. 
Okay? Right. You can't crit a skill check. It's just another number. Two, if something's going to kill you and, and it, you roll a high persuasion, they're not marrying you. Yeah. Okay? They're going to kill you maybe not as quickly. Yes. Well, they're going to hesitate they before might, they kill you. They might decide to talk to you before they eat you. Yeah. You know, and then you'd have to make... so. But that's the mindset of a lot of players I found, which is they just want to roll the number and then have crazy stuff happen. Mm -hmm. And they don't like when they don't get to roll the number. Yeah. When crazy stuff just happens, bad crazy stuff, they hate. Good crazy stuff, they're fine with. Yeah. It's, it's a mindset. Now, I don't want to bemoan those players because I saw another post recently. Somebody said uh, critical role, which I bring up a lot. Um, they're not coming to Gen Con. They have a scheduling conflict. And yes. somebody made like a snarky comment about how the critical role fans aren't going to be able to see their their heroes or something. And I'm like, dude, like you remind me of the shaker. Remember the shaker religion? Yeah. Believed in yeah. celibacy. Guess how many shakers there are in the country right now? <laughs> There's two and they live in Maine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and when they die, the That's religion it. is dead. Like. If new players want to play a more story-oriented version of D&D, if that's not your version of D&D, that's fine. But why are you bemoaning that? Because it's growing yeah. the hobby. Like, yes. without yes. those new players, D&D's dead. It, it's gone. And mm -hmm. nobody, you know... It, so it, it amazes me that yeah. people are that short side. But by the same token, is it the best version of D&D? If, if having real consequences to your actions matters, I think the game's more enjoyable. I, th I, th I think so, too. I honestly agree that if there is no sense of real dread to your yeah, character, no. there's, no there's nothing invested in it. I mean, yeah. you've got a character that you like to play, and because he gets to do, he or she gets to do cool stuff. But what if, you know, you fall down that trap and you are impaled by a six-foot spike? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's, the fifth it's edition taking version, the legit, it's taking the legit with, terror out of it. Yeah, you know, I run a lot of D and D, and I run a lot of conventions, and when a character drops, they get hit with healing word, and they pop back up. Bam! Monsters would know that, and if I'm like, if I'm an NPC fighter, and I see a opponent drop to the ground, and they have a cleric or a healer of any kind, I'm smacking that guy twice more. Yep. Yeah. Right. Why would off. you not? You get double tap. You know, I yeah. used to used to fight in the SCA. Yeah. In melees, right? Thousand people on a side at Penzik War, and I would stuff somebody with a spear in the gut, and if they did not acknowledge that hit, hit them again. I would hit them again. A lot of times they would be pissed off. Well, the first one was good. Well, why didn't you fall down? <laughs> yeah. Or why didn't you raise your yeah. your arm and mm -hmm. put your sword on your head, which is generally like, I'm dead. Oh. I'm going to walk off the field. Right? So I did that. Yep. And, you know, that's a very good thought. You know, if you had a hobgoblin who just, you know, put you down to zero, why doesn't he smash your face one more time? Yeah. Or eat, just eat you. Or twice more <laughs> yeah. and kill and make sure you're dead dead because yes. that other guy in the back row is going to just bring you up again. Right. Which means I'm going to die Yeah, as the goblin in the voice of the goblin. And I struggle yeah. with that because I think given we now have the ease at which people get back up, yeah. that that would be a thing yeah. in well, the fantasy world. Yeah. We could turn this game on its ear 
If I started to run an AL <laughs> games like that, nobody would. I would be sitting at a table you by would myself. Never get invited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that would so. not be very popular. Yeah, when we first started playing, um, the, one of my uh, my buddy Dave, who he invariably played axe wielding dwarves, it was not unusual for him to die every time we got together. Yeah, Miller, and, and come back with another beer. You know, Miller Draft beer died, and the beer punned named dwarf. And bringing uh, this back to up traps, every time. Remember who's going first? Yes, nobody yeah. wanted to go first. No, because traps would kill you. Yes, and, and you know, if, back in the day, the rogue always went first. Well, it depends. Yeah. The it, if a rogue by, backed up by the yes. ranger, if or, you had a, a thief, yeah. the thief went first. If you didn't have a thief. The fighter tended to go first yes. because they had the most hit points. Yeah, <laughs> so they weren't going to find the trap, but they might live through it. Right, right? you but, just assumed. But back in the day, you didn't have an eight-page character back sheet, and you didn't pay somebody twenty dollars to Some do a drawing did. of your character. Well, no, and the mini to go with it, and your custom hundred-dollar set of dice. Speaking and of then minis, when that character dies, then boom, you're, yeah. you're, 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 you you've you've invested a lot in that character. Emotionally and financially, right. and yeah, you can't Speaking get rid of, of characters. Speaking of minis, we, Greg, have, we have a challenge for you. We have Greg. a challenge. We, we made a New Year's resolution already, mm-hmm. and we're not even in the new year yet. Well, but by the time this podcast posts, it probably will be. But we resolved to paint one mini a week in 2020. A week? Wow. Yes. Now, Dean painted three monsters that had, like, three colors on them each. So No, no, no. There was a lot more colors. <laughs> there. Okay. Believe me, those, those mummies... Oh my God! They I, are the worst damn thing. I to think pay. we have to have a caveat: only one of each type. You can't multi-paint. Well, but I got twelve of these. Suckers. Well, that's fine. You only get to count them for one, though. <laughs> yeah. And I painted a, a rehash of my barbarian who only wears a loincloth. I found the perfect uh, figure. Anyway, a, a we want to get you in on this. Do you have painting ability? I mean, we know you, got Do you painting have paints. Ab- Do you have paints? Yes, I have some paints. I was I was rebuilding my paint stock. Do you have a place to paint? Let's just cut to the chase. Yeah. Are you in? Are you in on our? Once a week. That's a lot, though. I would. My problem is. Is that I painting a figure doesn't take an hour. Painting so, a figure takes a week. I've never painted. So what? You want us to like spot you twenty six minis? Yeah. Greg, listen, so. we we discussed this one time in a past podcast that throwing paint on a mini is better than not having paint on a mini. Well, yeah. If you want me to just throw a base coat on something, hey, I can do that. It not, will it will annoy me, and I will be unsatisfied with it. Not, but I can not, throw. No, paint we on want a mini. you to throw. Okay, let me just point out an effort out. GW we, has those contrast paints, which are incredible if you want to do a quick paint job because it automatically builds in the contrast. Well, I, I I have some paint. I always used. To, I mean, I used to paint mine with enamel model paint. Yes, you know, and man, and, is that nasty. And getting the pin out and putting mm. the eyeball in and doing all that stuff. That's and painting Celtic knot patterns on. Okay, so should we spot Greg minis? Should we um, say, how about Greg has to do one a month? Because he's late for everything. He'll never make one a week. I I will never, I will, I'll honestly tell you, I will never paint one mini a week because I will not have that hour or two or three a week. Okay, so one a month, but we did start in December. So that's 13 minis in 2020 you have to paint. I will do my best. Okay. You know. How is that a resolution? 
You can't. It's I not. hate resolutions because uh, I never follow through on them. I have never in my life followed through on a resolution. That, that doesn't surprise me. I don't make me. them. I do not make them. <laughs> well, Eric and I are going to try our w- best to do would, would I week. like? Would I like to sit down and paint minis? One evening a week, hell yes, Your I would love to do that. Kids are out of the house. You yeah. have all kinds of free time. I, I will have to agree. <laughs> I will have to agree with Greg. I am not just slapping paint on. I am no. doing it in these these mummies that I'm doing for the Conan board game. I still have like we'll post our pictures on our Facebook. Forty page. of these suckers, but that's part of my goal is to try to get them. Yeah. Even though I'm painting them all, I'm still painting each one. Yeah. Yeah. See, painting a mini to me is it Keith Pogue level painting every single yeah. one of them every time. Yeah. Great <laughs> little OCD sometimes. <laughs> yeah. We well, might if we got Greg in on this, he might not actually come to work. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, we're gonna thirteen minis. That's our expectation. Okay. okay. And all we'll right. post pictures on our Facebook page as we complete them. Yes, yes. Okay, so I think that we've exhausted this topic um, went on far longer than I thought it would. Yeah. But traps are fun. Traps are fun. Put so more of them in. Definitely. <laughs> and make them deadly. Make them count. Yeah. Make it make it meaningful. As much as I hate them, it's um, it's, it's no fun if they don't do anything. Yeah. yeah a, a poison needle that knocks you unconscious for a minute doesn't <laughs> do anything unless... A monster also jumps out when you go unconscious. Yes, exactly. Right. So, all right. Well, Greg, take us, get us out of this trap quick before the door closes. Oh, if you want to tell us about your traps or rail against Eric about his traps, you can get a hold of us on Facebook. Or just rail about Eric. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, on Facebook, we are the Grognards. On Twitter, we are at T Grognards. On Instagram, we are the underscore Grognards. And you can always send us emails at gamers at thegrognards.com. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. For the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Game on. Check for traps. <laughs>